from Cleveland, Ohio, and you're listening to Barbecue Central. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How is long? <laughs> we have a great show. I'm a big fan. Boing. So what, what, what seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the, in the crackle. Charbono! It's all about the Charbono, dude! Succulent fish! What? We ate two before we nerfed. Oh, listen, Laverne, it's a shit face. I'm shaking like a dog shit pee <laughs> We have top men working on it right now. Top men. And just like that, we are into the second hour of the Barbecue Central show. We talk about the most important topics in the world of barbecue and grilling, live fire cooking, as they're happening during the course of the day, week, month, year. If they're in the news cycle, baby, we're talking about... Once again, shout out to Garden State Barbecue, Julian, with the banging t-shirt. Thank you, Julian. If you're not following him, I would say go to Instagram and search Garden State BBQ. And he's always giving you something super special and super simple. I got to have Julian on the show and see where those two descriptors even came from. He's leading off every video. Hey, I don't. There's like a, a process that goes on in all these Instagram videos that I see. I mean, ugh, I got to tell you, if I could somehow not have to do social media at all. Not even outsource it, because I don't even want to pay, because I don't want to do it. Maybe they're showing my old man lawn age here. But if there's any way I could get out of it and not have it affect downloads or show visibility, show promotion, all this, man, I would just get ditch it in a second. Like, as soon as the show's over, I'm out of social media. You will never see me again. You won't. You barely see me now. You will not see me again. Somebody will buy the show for multi-millions. I'll ride off into the sunset. And that'll be it. And if I ever get doing another podcast, I will have zero responsibility when it comes to social media. I won't do it. Long way to go to say, as I watch the most successful videos these days, they're on, I don't know what you would even call it, like a a backwards loop kind of thing. So in Julian's case, he's always like the video starts with him going bang. And like, that's his catchphrase is bang. Also uh, super simple, super special. Those are all his catchphrases. Every video it's banging and super special, super simple. But the way that it's done, the video starts and he's like banging. And then the video uh, recipe starts from the beginning, boom, 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 and he rolled to the end, and then he's tasting it, and then you're getting his reaction, and the reaction, of course, is banging, and boom, it starts over. It's all timed out, very sexy. So I've followed Julian for a couple years at least, and why? And then he was like pumping out content pretty regularly, and then he kind of fell off. 
I was also, I'm going to say, attracted to him, but not in the biblical sense. Although he's very handsome and muscular. I was attracted to his content because when he wears a shirt, he always wears a cat shirt. And the company that owns my uh, Peterbilt dealership group is Ohio Cat. So they're the biggest cat dealer here in, well, okay, the only cat dealer here in Ohio. So hence the biggest. So I always had an affinity because he wears a cat. I don't know what his relationship is with cat. If he operates cat equipment or if he owns a cat dealership or whatever he's got going on. But there's a cat relationship there going on, whether he knows it or not. Because as I said, a cat dealer owns our Peterbilt group locally dealership wise. And then all of a sudden he was like gone. And now he's back. And he's upgraded a camera, obviously. He's upgraded the sound. He's got the whole pattern down now. So if you're interested in seeing a lot of live fire cooking videos. But then he also does uh, outside the box. He did a, a shrimp bisque or a shrimp soup or something last night that I just saw when I was uh, at the doctor's office today. So if you're looking for somebody new and you're not already following him, uh, Garden State BBQ. A nice plug for my guy Julian. How about you? Banging. <laughs> Still to come on the show this evening, Aaron Franklin of Franklin Barbecue and Franklin Barbecue Pit. So stay tuned for that. About eight minutes from now, we say good evening to those of you watching tonight through one of our video streaming platforms, Facebook or Twitch slash BBQ Central Show. You can also watch through YouTube. YouTube.com slash at BBQ Central Show. There is a YouTube poll question of the week, of course. 55% of you say you have no idea who Dan from Wachula is. You know, maybe it's skewing to where I thought it was because everybody was under the impression that Meathead was under, which is you thought I was talking about hot Wachulas, which is not what I was talking about. I was specifically talking about Dan from Wachula. And you were thinking about Matt Barber from Hot Wachulas. How many Wachulas can there be? Or how many barbecue people can there be in the Wachulas? Is there more than one Wachulas? Is there a South and North Wachula? Florida, is there Wachula Heights? In Cleveland, all the suburbs, there's like the suburb city and then there's the suburb city Heights. So you have Cleveland, Cleveland Heights, Euclid, Euclid Heights. Shaker, Shaker Heights. You see what I'm saying? So is there a Wachula Heights? I don't know. It would make sense to me, but maybe that's where the delineator was or the confusion line. I just said Wachula and immediately everybody knows who Hot Wachulas is in the barbecue community. So you thought I was talking about Mad Barber, but no, no. I was talking about Dan from Wachula, caller to the show back in the old days. Just so we're getting that straight. Maybe that's why we've broken off on the nose taking the lead by 10%. Now at 55%, no. Coming up on the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less this coming Friday, episode 303, taking you back to September 4th, 2016. And my pal Sterling Ball of Big Papa Smokers was my guest this time around. We talked to him about getting back from what was the Sam's Club National Championship. Remember, back in the old days, there was something called the Sam's Club National Barbecue Tour. Three rounds, so a local round, 
If you did well enough, you qualify for the regional round. If you did well in that, you qualified for the championship round held at the Bentonville, Arkansas home office of Sam's Club. So he finished sixth overall, and this was the one where there was a big number of 700-plus scores. Sterling couldn't have been more gracious talking about the event, his results. We also talked a bit about his cooking partner, James Perez, and how he came aboard and what his growth as a cook has been like to that point. Fast forward seven years later, here in 2023, James, still on the team, has become a very accomplished cook. And as Sterling mentions in the interview, a very important part of the Big Papa Smokers team, especially after some of the other former members of Big Papa Smokers took off and left the team. It was just Sterling and then James, who was hired to be a a driver for him initially. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the Best Moments show by visiting the bbqcentralshow.com slash subscribe and not only will you get every friday's best moment show you will also get every replay of the barbecue central show so hour number one will be released every wednesday hour number two will be released every thursday and then you get the friday show if you subscribe you can also just subscribe through email if you want you don't have a podcast catcher fine you don't have to have one you can subscribe through that thebbqcentralshow.com slash subscribe. There is an email option. And also, if you want to hear a guest or segment again that you think has been lost in the archives, and a lot of requests are coming in now that the full archives have been reconnected finally, you can email our pal John Solberg, J-O-N, at thebbqcentralshow.com, and he will uh, let him know what you would like to hear or a portion of the show that you would like to hear again. And he will do his best to meet your expectation. Once again, that's J-O-N at thebbqcentralshow.com. And you can have your very own best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less made just for you. I got 30 seconds left before we got to go. That leaves me zero room. Tree chopping, no. Bloody Mary contest, no. Then, of course, I have my wife's vehicle thing that happened a couple months ago that I wanted to talk about. I still have a lot of stuff to get to that's in the hopper, but I'm not going to get to it. Unrelated to everything. The fourth Tuesday of this month, and we're short or we're late by a month. Usually we do it in September. We're doing the... 2023 Barbecue Central Show's Guest Hall of Fame induction. So we're going to nominate, vote, and induct a new class of five Barbecue Central Show guests. I listened to the 2019 version of that show. You got to go back and listen. It was unbelievable. Hey, Franklin Barbecue Pits are for the barbecue purists who want to take their craft to the next level. Skillfully made by hand right here in the U.S. of A. All-American-made steel, built to last, built with purpose. What you have with a Franklin pit is deeply thought out, a refined version of the old propane-style cookers that he has in his restaurants. Stylistically, it reflects the bare-bones, industrial, handmade aesthetic that Aaron loves. 
as in the patina and the way the build allows you to see the welds and the craftsmanship. The schematics of a Texas-style offset barbecue pit are relatively simple, even if the things that happen inside reflect our complicated dynamics of physics and chemistry. There's very few moving parts here, but there are numerous and massive differences between Franklin pits and the average barbecue smoker sold at the big box store. These units made from 5 and quarter inch thick steel made here in America. Anything that sees heat engineered to be incredibly solid should last a century or more if cared for properly. You can't overstate how important the thickness of the steel is. This guarantees professional grade heat retention, the key to making great barbecue, of course. Every Franklin pit unique to itself, its own patina, natural markings, even got its own number badge. Franklin pits can be found at fine barbecue specialty stores in select regions of the country, like Hartville, Ohio, or other places. You can find one at franklinbbqpits.com. If you're a fan of this show and you have a store, you want to become a certified Franklin dealer, fill out a form at franklinbbqpits.com. If you're a fan of the show and you want to own a Franklin pit, but you're not near a certified dealer, you can buy one on the website, franklinbbqpits.com. Purchase that pit right there on the website. It'll ship right to your driveway. If you have any questions along the way, make sure you use the Contact Us link at the bottom of the website. And that website is franklinbbqpits.com. In fact, you might have a whole bunch of questions about what the hell is this Franklin pit all about. Well, good news. In about 28 seconds or so, we're going to be talking to the guy that made the pits. So we're going to go into the weeds on offset pits, specifically Franklin's pits. So stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rempe. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by PitBarrel.com, the most unbelievable outdoor cooking device on the planet, available in three sizes, all the accessories. If you're a beginner or a professional, doesn't matter. Add it to the arsenal of cooks. PitBarrelCooker.com and tell them Barbecue Central Show sent you. My guest in the second hour, easily one of the most popular names in the world and industry of barbecue today. In the past, you've seen him as a judge on Barbecue Pitmasters TV show. He has a master's class over at the master's class website. Shot a barbecue show for PBS, has a great YouTube channel, authored a number of very popular books, and also happens to run one of the most popular barbecue joints in all of Texas and all of the country, for that matter. He is a 2020 Barbecue Hall of Fame inductee, and most importantly, a 2018 Barbecue Central Show's guest Hall of Fame inductee as well. Oh, my God. He's back and better than ever. It's Aaron Franklin. Aaron, greetings and all of your Barbecue Hall of Fame-ness, both on the Barbecue Hall of Fame and the get. Did you know you were a guest Hall of Famer? Uh, no, I actually. Had well, no congratulations! Idea. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Twenty eighteen was the inaugural class of the Barbecue Central Show's Guest Hall of Fame, and we did it right. We put in like a swath of guests uh, right into that Hall of Fame. Certainly, 
you fit the mold for uh, maybe at that time uh, best one-off guest or you know not re- we had a bunch of different nonsense going on the you first know, time I'll, around i'll but, take whatever i can yeah, get. yeah i mean why not so uh, <laughs> hall of famer indeed look many folks know of the accomplishments that i've listed out in the intro but for the past number of years uh, you've been working on barbecue pits to bring to the market high level when did you start trying to make barbecue pits in the first place well the first barbecue pits that I started making. Well, the first one uh, was shortly after we opened the barbecue trailer in 2009. Uh, and my first cooker was a 500 gallon size cooker out of a propane tank. Um, you know, and I built that obviously because Franklin barbecue needed a lot more food than we were able to make. Cause we, you know, max out at 12 briskets a day on the uh, first 500 gallons. So built another one. And that's kind of when <clears throat> I'd already spent a good bit of time staring at fires, cooking ribs and, and doing all this stuff. And, uh, you know, I kind of made like the smokestack collector because I thought it seemed like a good idea. And I was kind of thinking about how the insides worked and where the air goes and what's happening with bark and all that stuff. Um, and that's been a while. So I've learned a lot since then. Uh, kept building big ones for the restaurant. And then when Jordan McKay and I were working on the first book in 2014, that summer, uh, we did a chapter on how to build a barbecue pit. And so that's mm-hmm. the first small one that I ever built. Uh, and really from there kind of fired it up and I thought to myself, self, this thing really works pretty darn good. So then I started refining that design and and that took quite a while. I don't really even think we started selling proper Franklin pits till, oh golly, I want to say 2020, right at the beginning of the pandemic, I guess. Do you have, so it took that long to get there. Do you have both that first 500 gallon and that first backyard pit still? So the first backyard pit was at the Yeti headquarters store until a few months ago, we swapped it out with a proper like newer Franklin backyard pit. So that one is sitting at the shop. That's the one from the book. Um, and the original 500 gallon is actually in Los Angeles. Adam Perry Lang's using that right now. Is that on loaner? It is. It is a loaner, but he not, but I really want to get it back. Like, Why wouldn't he buy What's it that? this time? I mean, he does all these pop-ups. Why not just buy it? Well, it's not for sale. Oh, everything's <laughs> I've got for sale. A lot of sen- no, 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 not well. that one. Um, that is the one cooker that I've got such sentimental value for. Mm. I mean, I've spent countless nights uh, just cooking beef ribs on that, cooking pork ribs, briskets. And uh, yeah, that was that was the OG. That's the one where I had like so many light bulbs go off mm. for me, like staring at fires. You're like, oh, I want to tweak this. I want to move this thing a little bit. Ooh, what happens if I do this? And that's what I really... I feel like on that cooker is when I actually started to become, in my opinion, a, a pretty good barbecue cook. When does the rental term uh, come up on that one then? Boy, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I uh, probably pretty soon, I guess uh, at this point, I need to build him a replacement. <laughs> yeah, he seems to be doing pretty regular pop up business out there in California. Yeah, yeah, he seems to be very popular. Too. Yep. I think every Saturday uh, he's doing pop ups with that huh. thing. Had you ever considered making commercial barbecue pits instead of backyard pits? No, not really. Um, I've built a couple for some friends and restaurants and stuff like that, but I've always kind of had a weird thing where I didn't really want to build the big ones um, because so many people were asking for them and stuff. It's like, you know, I hate to kind of like sell something really expensive for somebody to make money on. Like I really wanted, my focus has always been on like backyard stuff. Like I want to help like the little guy and which is weird because when barbecue pits first started, steel was a fraction of the price yep. that it is now. So 
you know, the original plan was to build a really awesome cooker that could kind of like every man's backyard kind of thing. Um, and of course, you know, lots of things have happened since then and, and cost of materials and stuff is just crazy. Let's talk about the build of this backyard cooker. And, you know, we'll just ask a general question here to start and, and get into the weeds from there, which is what I want to do. Why do you have what you have on that cooker? Um, well, so, you know, from cooking so much food on these things and staring at fires, um, kind of started to design the, the cooker from the inside. So if you think about like fluid dynamics, you think about how you need to introduce moisture, you need to let moisture escape, you have intake, exhaust, all these kinds of things. Um, the inside's rounded, it's kind of like, you know, ports, uh, like, you know, like heads on an engine. Um, it's kind of, was a lot of my inspiration for this stuff, but even like the smokestack collector, you know, no right angles anywhere in there. We've got the heat, you know, shelf in there where the little water pan goes. Um, that helps create, you know, chaotic airflow and all these things. Um, so really, you know, it's it's not what it has. It's kind of like more what it doesn't have. I mean, it's just such a simple, simple tool. Um, and that is also by design that like, you know, the, the missing ingredient for awesome barbecue is your hands. Like you need to have a good tool and you need to know how to use something. You need to, know how to pick up a piece of wood, know how to burn it, know what to get, you know, what you want out of it, know when to push the fire, know when to pull back, know when to hit the temps, know when to get more airflow and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so I really designed the barbecue pit to be able to allow someone to do that. And really it's kind of my ultimate cooker. I mean, even now when I fire one up, which is pretty, pretty often, uh, I've kind of got a, a random, you know, thing going on in the backyard. We'll drop one off, pick one up from the shop and every single one I fire up is exactly like the other one. It's the most consistent cooker I've ever cooked on. Uh, but that being said, it was designed from the inside out. Um, you know, really with a, a super focus on airflow, convection, all that stuff, clean fires, good flavors, more transparent flavors out of firewood. Uh, that's why it doesn't have a damper on the back. Don't want you making dirty fires. Um, but you know, we're just kind of that stuff in mind. So when you're looking at an offset cooker, I think a lot of folks can put some basic thought into how it might work or how it might operate, even if they've never run one. But in your cooker, a bit more involved. So take me through these thermodynamics that you talk about when you talk about chaotic airflow. I mean, I don't know what the hell that means. And like, <laughs> what does that even look like? And how are you able to tell what chaotic airflow looks like? Well, if you think about you know, like airflow, right? <clears throat> a lot of people, when I started cooking barbecue, people were making barbecue pits that had these dampers and stuff in there. And I always kind of just assumed that air came in from a firebox. It went straight across the grates and then it went straight out. Like it's not, it's not linear. It just doesn't, things don't move like that. So when you think about like, say like a tornado and you've got these vortices or you've got like wind that's hitting a flagpole, you know, and it starts to move around. And then when you start to think about that kind of stuff, you're like, oh, well, this, you know, that's a light bulb that kind of starts to make a little bit of sense. So <laughs> if you think about the inside of a barbecue pit, like you can't push a fire, you know, like all these little fans and like, oh, you're blowing on fire, like you can get it to ignite. But a properly operating offset needs to pull air, you don't want to push it because then you get a bunch of embers, bunch of ash everywhere, and then it just burns out. So you're forcing a fire to do what it naturally doesn't really want to do. So in these big cookers and the small ones and the little Franklin backyard ones have tremendous amounts of airflow. I mean, they're so, they're so fast and articulate. I, I love how these things work. Um, 
but that means you got to pay attention too. you can't just walk away and like go get a sandwich and come back with a sixer and be like, Oh, you know, it's, it's still warm. It, it should be fine. Um, <laughs> you know, so you think about this airflow <clears throat> and how it kind of moves around on the inside. So you've got this pole, you've got a big smokestack, right? The smokestacks about 42 inches tall, they're four inch diameter, they're ground smooth on the inside. So you don't create soot and all this kind of stuff. There's, there's a lot of little details that went into this stuff and uh, all just from, building cookers and cooking on them. It's like, Oh man, I got to do the handles like this. This is how I prefer them. Um, but if you're pulling the fire, you kind of think about this airflow a little bit in the way of like, say, I don't know, say like your AC vent in your car, right? You've got this air and that is being pushed for sure. Not yep. pulled, but then you have, you have these little fins, you kind of guide it and you decide where it wants to go. So you can't really in the, not to get bogged down, like the philosophy of fire. Cause that's kind of dumb. I mean, it's, it's fire big deal right uh but what you do with it is a big deal and you can't really force a fire to do what it doesn't naturally want to do and part of that is giving a fire enough air giving a fire enough fuel giving a fire a big enough coal bed so it can you know burn a, like a hotter combustion to get to the sweet spots right so when you smolder a fire you know it's more oil soluble right so that sticks to like the fats and it stick it lays on your tongue a little funny it's like you know, creates creosote, some off flavors and stuff like that. But as you go through that spectrum of combustion temperature, about 688 degrees is kind of the sweet spot. I think uh, that's what all the Franklin fireboxes are usually burning. Um, but then you get this fast combustion temperature, right? And that means you got a good coal bed, all this stuff. But it's really that exists because you can pull all this air through this massive amount of space, right? You with me? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. Um, I might, I might bring this all back around. Who knows? Um, <clears throat> so you've got this massive amount of air, right? You got a big coal bed, super hot fire that allows you to burn clean. So that changes the solubility of the smoke particulate, right? That goes from oil solubility into water vapor. So thus you've got a water soluble particulate in the smoke. And that's when people talk about like, Oh, blue smoke, or you can't really see the smoke. That's because the spectrum of light picks up on different size particulate. That's got different solubility. So you've got a crazy hot firebox. And this is more for like the big, like five hundreds and thousand gallon pits. Cause you've just got more space, right? You're not, you know, constrained in inside of a tiny cooker. Um, but when you've got that airflow, you've got this hot thing, you've got a, you know, vacuum coming from a, a smokestack, what you do with that fire. And that's why you don't want to like damper things. Cause you want to like be able to lay a piece of wood down, pick it up, get a little bit of air, slow it down, speed it up because fats and things happen at different times, mm -hmm. it, like in a fire. Right. So things render, you might want more airflow. So you need to have that control. It's that's why I kind of try to make it like really, really sensitive. Um, but so you've got this air going through high combustion temperature, and then it hits like a heat shelf where that little water pan thing goes in. Right. So what's happening there is that thing is helping to create the actual airflow. Uh, because if you had the air just blasting right through the cook chamber, you're going to tear up the points or, well, depending on how you, you know, orientate your, your meat, uh, but say briskets and the fatty sides towards the firebox, you're going to get so much air on the backside of that point. It's going to dry out. It's never going to hold up to a 12 hour cook like that. Mm. So you need that air to start to swirl around. And that's where like this chaotic airflow thing comes from. Um, and that shelf in there really helps that. And that's the thing that I started working on, um, way back in the day on, you know, a little backyard or not backyard pits, but Franklin, 
you know, big, like proper cookers at the restaurant is like adjusting that thing at an angle, or maybe I round it, or maybe I pull it back, or maybe I extend it for it. I had, man, I've had so many cookers that were like adjustable flappers in there that I could play around with because I was thinking of like an AC vent, right? Well, it turns out that's actually kind of dumb because it didn't work. <laughs> oh. So it turns out just having like a flat one is totally fine, rounded at the end so it doesn't create creosote and stuff. But what's really happening in there is you've got this hot, stagnant air on top, right? That's where your water pan is because there's no air. It's just sitting there. And then you've got fast moving air coming underneath it. So it starts to create a swirl. It's like a bimetallic strip, right? So then it curls and then the inside of the thing is round, um, and one thing that I noticed around this point is that I actually like a little bit of inefficiency in the door. And this is kind of why offset cookers are great because you would never cook anything at 688 degrees, right? Right. Like it's, that's way too hot. Uh, but offset cookers are so inefficient that you can burn a really, really high combustion temperature and then still manage to cook at 230 or 250 or 300 or whatever you're doing. Um, but what I realized about the door thing is that when you tweak metal and stuff, and this is more you know, visible on, on propane tanks and stuff. That's why we roll our own stuff from flat, uh, you know, pickled steel. Um, but when the door cracks open, it actually starts to suck in cooler air. So that happens to create some spin. So then you've got like all this airflow. So you've got the, the heat shelf, things are starting to curl and then they start to twist. And that's where you get this kind of like vortis situation. It's really low CFM. So it doesn't, that stuff doesn't really calculate. Um, but it's a lot of airflow is the point. And that's what you really have to have to get like a super good bark on a brisket. That's why, you know, barks are kind of soggy if you're like on a water cooker or, or like something that's retaining all this moisture because you can't let the moisture escape fast enough. Um, so anyway, that's pretty much the the gist of the design. Wow. Was that a, one heck of a rabbit hole or what? I mean, I totally understood every second of it and good for me. I'm maybe on the same mental level as you and everybody else is probably well behind. You sitting in a tool shed? We're, we're, we're bringing them up. Uh, let me ask you specifically about the uh, smoke accumulator or whatever that thing is off to the left-hand side. Yeah, um, yeah. The you smoke, know, smoke stack collector. Yeah. So what, it, like, what is the purpose specifically? Well, the purpose of that is since you've got this this big draft, you got a, a vacuum with a big stack and all the stuff. If you say like you've got a cooker and you've got a smokestack that's coming right out of the top, right? All that heat's going to maybe swirl around. Maybe it's not. Depends on how it's designed. Uh, but it's event eventually going to make its way to the top of the cook chamber and it's going to suck right out. Yeah. It's not going to cross the meat. So then if you lower that down in the middle and say it's not at the end quite yet, we're going through the whole you know, like my first cooker was cut off at the top and then I extended it and then I moved it up front. Huh. Um, so I'm going in chronological order here for me. Um, so then you send that thing down and it starts to pull the air down closer to the grate, but then you've got a huge dead space between the head of the propane tank or the front of the cook chamber and where the smokestack is. Mm -hmm. Right. So then all this air is kind of moved around. It's like, eh, it's kind of hanging out and then it's like, shloop, then it wants to go out. So my thinking was, is that, and this is where the internal combustion engine stuff kind of comes in, you know, cause I, I like to work on cars. Um, and I'm a self-proclaimed tinker of all things. Um, so I started thinking about the smokestack collector and I drew it out on a sheet of plywood, you know, traced off the front head of a 500 gallon cooker and, uh, traced it off. And I was thinking more of like how a carburetor would have like its, its intake, like curved or, you know, like an engine, like the heads would be like poured in polished, like they're smooth, right? 
which totally makes sense. You don't want hard lines because fluids don't move like that. They don't hit a 90 and then, oh, I can move. You got to guide things very smoothly. So that really accelerated the airflow. Uh, But it also, with it coming out at an angle on the front of these tanks, it also opens it up. So it's not just a little hole right in the middle where you're concentrating this heat right there. It gradually pulls it down to the end of the cook chamber and then gradually pulls it out. So you can Mm -hmm. just suck the heat out and the, you know, all the smoke and all that stuff where you want it. So again, like you have a vacuum and you can't really tell a fire what to do, but you can guide it. And part of the guidance is by being able to pull it through the cook chamber. If you have a shorter stack that would obviously reduce the velocity of the suck for lack of a better Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it very much could. If you cut it too short, it would, you know, kill the airflow. And if also if you cut it too tall, uh, it'll kill it. So there's oh. a sweet spot in there. Um, and what I've always done is I'll cut them longer than I think. I mean, now at this point, I'm like, oh, it needs to be about like this. And yeah. I can get really, really close. And who cares if you're within a couple inches, it, there's no difference at all. Like you just got to find the sweet spot ish. Um, but you cut them long, you build a fire, you watch the fire. You can, and this is the art of a long firebox too, is you can pull the wood back, adjust the efficiency of the fire or move it forward. And as you're doing that, you can see the flames kind of bend, or you can see if they want to go towards the back of the door and you can kind of adjust that. It's like, oh, well, this is the sweet spot of the firebox. Mm. But then you start to shut, you start to shorten the, the smokestack and you see the fire change with each little adjustment. And then when you find the sweet spot, you stop right there. So for us, it's about 42 inches. Help me understand why the water pan is in there. And I'm working off this impression. When I got into this, first cooker ever had Weber Smoky Mop. So there's a water pan that sits above the charcoal bowl. There were other cookers out there. Uh, for instance, um, Backwoods, uh, Myron Mixon makes a water smoker. So, you know, these all have mm-hmm. water pans over the fuel source. In many instances, especially like in a Weber Smoky Mountain situation, a lot of people talk about, oh, it's adding humidity to the cooking environment. I'm sure to a certain extent it is, but it's not at a rolling boil where you have incredible amount of humidity that's getting, you know, injected into the cooking environment, steaming a little bit, but it takes, you know, 12 hours or 14 hours where you have to go and refill it if you're doing an overnight cook. Is that water pan that's sitting on the shelf like really adding any humidity with the amount of heat that's you know hitting there and and then the amount of velocity of air that's getting sucked through the tube? Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Um, that is, you don't need much water. Like you might have to refill it after a few hours. Sure, whatever. It's it's not that big, um, but you don't really need that much water. One thing to keep in mind about like a Weber Smoky Mountain. Um, you know, and I, I'm just going to talk about that one because I've cooked on yep. on those quite a bit. Um, <clears throat> like once you get your temperature, your like wet bulb temperature up to a certain point, um, it can only hold so much moisture in that air. And that like relative humidity is going to max out at like 90 whatever percent. I don't know off the top of my head. Um, so like when you introduce a boatload of water, 
it doesn't matter because the air can only hold so much yeah. and you are steaming stuff. But one of the things to keep in mind also is that there's a balance in there. Now, if you're in a Weber Smoky Mountain, does doesn't burn particularly clean because you usually like loaded with charcoal and yeah. like wood chunks. And it's just a different style of fire. You know, like there's, there's a lot of ways to skin a cat for sure. Um, but some of the flavors, the good flavors, I think, are like the sweeter, more transparent flavors out of the wood. And that is back to that solubility issue. Those are the ones that stick to the protein. But then if you've got so much moisture, you're almost fighting the flavors you're trying to get because you're steaming them back out of the meat. Like you're, you're diluting your, your cooking environment, right? So when you have an offset, say, for example, we were to pull that water pan out. It's going to be a fine cook. But you're really more at the mercy of, is it humid that day? Did you have really high moisture content in your firewood? Because that factors in quite a bit also. Mm. Um, you know, so when you put that water pan in there. Oh, and by the way, if you cooked with a water pan out, your edges might get a little crusty. They might get a little dried out on a brisket after, I don't know, nine hours before you wrap it or, or if you don't wrap it or whatever. Um, but when you introduce a little bit of water, you've got all this moisture going out, which allows you to get a good bark. But if you don't have that balance on the front side, then it's going to be too dry. You're getting too much moisture out of it. So you kind of got to find that balance. Like it's dry enough to, to get the good flavors and all that stuff and not kind of like dilute that cooking environment, but also just enough moisture from the water pan. I think like a third pan, half pan, you know, quarter pan, any, anything in that range, we use little half pans on the big thousand cookers, thousand gallon cookers at the restaurant. Mm. And that's fine. We fill them up every 12 hours. It's, it's not, not a big deal. Um, but if you introduce enough moisture, then you're kind of protecting the edges of that brisket, like the backside of the point, it's going to stay a little bit more moist. And that's really why you spritz also, because you kind of just like checking stuff. Cause it's like, Oh, little dry squirt, squirt. Ooh, that's a little hot. Ooh, you know, and just kind of, you know, doing pretty much damage control the entire time because you want to protect that, you know, your little, your little baby before you swaddle it in butch paper. Um, but you, you know, you got a water pan, so it introduces enough moisture to keep the damage down, but also you're getting rid of enough moisture to dry out the brisket as a whole. So it's not just moisture in moisture out. It's, regulating that whole surface of a brisket so it's even so you don't have a crusty edge with a moist middle you know because once it starts to tense up it'll start to like squeeze out all this moisture um and that's where you get like some balding and like some weird like patchiness and stuff like that so it's just you know it's more about damage control i guess can i put you on hold just for one second and then sure. uh, come back and have a couple other questions about the cookers and we can branch into some other stuff here. We're talking with Aaron Franklin from Franklin Barbecue Pits. The website, of course, franklinbbqpits.com. You can go there to find a dealer near you, or you can just buy one if you don't have a dealer near you. Listen up, gang. Our friends at Big Papa Smokers have something special just for you, listeners of this show. Whether you're a seasoned pit master or a grilling newbie, Big Papa Smokers, your one-stop shop for all things barbecue, for their championship rubs, mouth-watering sauces, essential accessories. They've got what you need to take your food to the next level, whether on the competition circuit or just in the backyard like me. Here's the cherry on top. Big Papa Smokers offering the listeners of the Barbecue Central Show an exclusive deal. Use the code REMPE at checkout, R-E-M-P-E, and you'll get $10 off your next $50 purchase of rubs, sauces, or accessories. Imagine the possibilities. Evaluate your ribs with Big Papa Smoker's Sweet Money. Add Big Papa's Desert Gold to your chicken or, better yet, vegetables. How about Big Papa's Double Secret on your steak? 
That's a winning combination right there. Head over to BigPopSmokers.com and start shopping today and save. Don't forget to use the promo code REMPY at checkout and claim your $10 off your next order of $50 or more. Don't forget to check out Big Papa's full line of recipes over at cookingwithbigpapa.com. That's cookingwithbigpapa.com. And, of course, follow them on all social media platforms at Big Papa Smokers. We're back with more Aaron Franklin right after this. Stick around. Be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. You've never heard this before. You might think you found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Wimpy. And we welcome you back. Talking with our pal Aaron Franklin. On the firebox door, Aaron, there are... No dampers, no spinners, no slidey things. Not to get too technical with you there on that term. Do hickeys uh, or chingaderas. Yes, that's right. Uh, there are uh, a number of oblong cutouts, and there's also a logo that's been cut in there as well. Uh, why that and not the accessible or, as most people would know, a damper of some sort? Well, so that was kind of the trickiest part of that. And usually, you know, at the restaurant, we're cooking on huge cookers and we just leave the doors wide open because, again, you want to let a fire do what it wants to do. You want to be able to see it. You want to be able to watch the coal bed, watch the flames. You want to be able to hear the crack of the fire because that tells you a lot about how it's how it's working and stuff. Um, So when I started, you know, I didn't want to build a barbecue pit that was heavily branded. Like I didn't want like big logos like sticking up. I just kind of wanted it to be, be pretty modest. Um, so, you know, I, I thought it would be pretty cool to cut the logo in the back door. So the first firebox doors, and we've been through, gosh, probably 20, 30, 40 different firebox doors with different shapes, different size logos, different size holes in different places and all this stuff and just swapping out firebox doors and burning fires. Um, so the logo was fine, but you don't want to pull all the heat up up top because you want to pull your air in from lower because in the winter time, and if you're burning a good fire and, and really this is kind of why the firebox is 24 inches or 22 and a half inches long on a on Franklin pit um, is because if you build your fire up front and you have the right size firewood and you're thinking about, you know, like the cadence of a fire and big enough to always keep a coal bed, you need to have a place for those coals to live, right? So you kind of rake them towards the back, which means that you kind of change your coefficient a little bit. Um, Like in the wintertime, for example, if you're raking your coals towards the back, you get to pre-warm the air over the that's going over the coals before it hits the fire. So your fire doesn't have to work so hard. So Mm. that is a cool technique. And that's a way that you get really even heat because you're really not cooking on you. You would never cook with like big, big flames. Like you're not getting, you're not getting much flavor out of big flames. You're getting your flavor out of just the wood and just the, the sugars that are cooking out of it, but you really have to have the coals, right? So those little slots on the bottom ended up putting them down there because I wanted to be able to pull the air over the coal bed. And if it's the 
summertime. It's hot outside. Leave the door wide open. Doesn't <laughs> doesn't matter one bit. But in the summer, in the wintertime, rather, uh, when it is cold outside, and this is a double wall that's got a one inch air gap all the way around it. So there's a concentric liner in there. Um, it's actually kind of a complex firebox. Um, but it is semi insulated with an air gap in there. Um, but in the wintertime, if you close that door and you've you've got the right kind of firewood, you've got the right you know dimensions, uh, I guess I should say, and you kind of have a feel for which ones you're picking. Are, are they kind of light? Are they kind of heavy? Whatever. Um, the way that firebox actually operates is it super duper maintains the amount of airflow that's going through it. So, for example, like there were a bunch of firebox doors that had little holes, and the fire just didn't quite get enough air. And when I would open the doors, like poof. It's going. It feels great. This is cooking awesome. So then we just started cutting doors with a little bit bigger holes until we got there. And then I kept going a little bit bigger, like, oh, 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 it's far too much. Let's go back down a couple sizes. Mm. Um, and that's how we landed on that firebox door. It was really, you know, there's there's a good bit of redneck science going on with barbecue pits and everybody's got opinions and mm-hmm. I've got mine for sure. And I like to cook a certain way and I'm smelling certain things. I'm hearing certain things. I'm you know, tasting certain things in the meat and stuff like that. Um, but you know, with that firebox thing, that was really the, I guess that's kind of what makes a Franklin pit in so many ways. Like, cause that really is a tool and it's also kind of meant, you know, if you can give the fire everything it needs, it'll, it'll hang out. It'll last. You got a good coal bed. You get to refresh wood at the right time and all that stuff. Um, you know, one of the cool things about it is, and what made me a better cook back in the day of cooking overnights all the time at Franklin was the fact that I had to throw a log on a barbecue pit, you know, every five minutes, but it got me in the zone and it got me like really like where I would just listen to it and be like, Oh yeah, number five's too hot. I could smell it, you know, but that was because I couldn't get lazy. And then one day, at the restaurant, I remember I, I kind of built like these like dampers because yeah, you know, other people do this stuff. Like, ah, oh, man, I'll try it. We'll, we'll see what happens. And I put these dampers on on one of the cookers. It's like a twenty foot long cooker or something like that up on a trailer. Um, and after a while, it kind of made me lazy, and the ribs just weren't turning out very good on this cooker because I couldn't hear and I couldn't see the fire. Mm. So that was really kind of like where. I'm a little stubborn on this too. You know, I think eventually we'll probably make some kind of modification, I guess, maybe. Um, but, you know, it's kind of stubborn on this firebox. It's like, no, like this thing is a tool. This is a really neat way to be interactive and learn how to be a better cook. And it, I feel like it kind of forces, it forces me at least, you know, like I can't really walk away for too long because I got to throw another piece of wood on there, yeah. but it really gets me in the zone. And I think, you know, it's like the same thing as like you're staring at a phone, you know, checking like, you know, Facebook or something like that. It's like, do, 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 just not paying attention. A lot of times when you can't really, you have that disconnect and you can't really see what's going on in your barbecue pit, you kind of maybe might miss a couple things. You're like, oh man, it's too low. And then you overcorrect or, oh my God, it's too hot. And then it kind of becomes a little, little bit harder to cook. Mm-hmm. But when you're kind of like really in the zone, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, I think it's actually a lot more helpful in the long run. Mm. Uh, it may be kind of frustrating at first, but I think like once you kind of like really figure it out, it's kind of like, yeah, you know, when you're tasting a whiskey and somebody says like, you know, <laughs> red hots, all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, I, I taste cinnamon in this, you know, or whatever. Um, but it's kind of like what you don't really know until you get there. But once you kind of get there, you really can hone in on what you're looking for. Uh, and I think the firebox door design really gets you there. Who's the customer? 
for you because you're talking about stuff that I feel has been fallen out of love with by a lot of beginner and intermediate folks, which is, you know, when I got into it, you know, 2004, whatever the hell it was, uh, you still had to learn how to build a fire, keep a fire, uh, whether it was charcoal driven or a stick burner, or whatever. And mm-hmm. with the advent and subsequent popularity of, you know, a lot of other cookers, whether it be through automatic draft machines or, of course, pellet cookers, you don't have to learn that life skill that makes you a man. You can bypass that. So who who is your ultimate customer? I think... It's kind of, it's probably people like me that kind of nerd out on stuff (laughs) in a lot of ways and just like, really is like, how good can I make this? I just want to keep, I love a project, you know? Um, I think, you know, when, and and I I think pellet cookers have come like such a long way. And, you know, after years and years of, of really not sleeping much, um, I can pretty, I can really get behind that too. Uh, cause it's nice to be able to go to bed. It's nice to be able to have dinner with your kids and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But if you really hone in on what you're looking for and you really want like that, just extra, like 2% of perfection. And you just really want that kind of the only way I feel to get there is to be able to control every aspect mm-hmm. of a cook. And it's like, if you cook something in an oven, if you cook something in a pellet cooker or in a, in a whatever, I mean, there's all you know, like I said, there's a lot of ways to skin a cat and there's a lot of different stuff out there and, and no ding on anybody for, for not wanting to cook on an offset because it is a lot of work. I mean, it really, you're, you're hunkered down for 12 hours. Yeah. It's, it's, you're, it's a real time commitment. Um, and it can be frustrating, but what you can get when you kind of get good at it is that next level of like 2% perfection and like, Oh, I've never tasted that before. Oh, this fat never rendered like this man, I've never pulled off the flat and the point perfectly cooked at the same time. Like once you kind of start to dissect some things, it kind of gets you into, you know, almost like maybe like next level kind of stuff. And I guess, you know, maybe for me that that's the kind of person I've always been like, I just really want to do the best I can, uh, but I also like to tinker with things and I also want to modify things. And I'm always looking to make something better. Um, that's kind of a, the art of Franklin barbecue. I mean, 15 years into this, we're still making changes all the time and making things a little bit better. Um, but I think, you know, I hope the person that really would get excited about Franklin barbecue pits is someone that loves craftsmanship that loves American made stuff. Like for me, it's like old hot rods and just like crafty things, like things that are made by hand, you know, with people that really care, not in a factory necessarily. Um, but also somebody that's really, I don't know, just wants to dig a little bit deeper. You know, it's kind of the same thing. Like, you know, you know, just chug wine. Maybe you start digging a little bit deeper and find out that you love carbonic maceration or or whatever it is, you know, or like with whiskeys or coffees or cigars, music, you know, like always like digging a little bit deeper. Uh, So maybe, maybe that's the person, I guess. I I guess maybe I've never really thought about it too much. (laughs) So the other side to this business is you're making cookers. Now you got to go sell them. So how do you, land on a, a manufacturer and how easy is it for you to find somebody who's going to execute at your level of expectation? Well, it has been a journey. That's for sure. That's maybe why from 14 to 20 is when we, <laughs> it took us that long to build a sellable pit. Uh, kind of ridiculous. Um, you know, we've got two manufacturers that are absolutely amazing. 
Uh, we started off building all these cookers in Austin. We quickly outgrew our shop, our little 5,000 square foot shop. And, um, you know, it's just we couldn't quite get the steel that we wanted because we're down in Texas. So we really went up more towards the Midwest because we use all American steel. It's pickled and oiled uh, is what it's called. And it's kind of more it's kind of similar to like a stainless steel. Like it's a really, really high quality carbon steel. Right. So it doesn't warp quite the same way. It doesn't have the tensions. It doesn't have some of the normal defects that you would get with some cheaper steels. Um, but all that stuff is made up in the Midwest because that's where they used to build cars. There's a lot of industry up there. So we ended up going up there because there's better tooling. Um, it really, it was just a whole bunch of, you know, hanging out with people, going to shops and talking to people, making some really awesome friendships and, uh, just telling people what, what I want, you know, it's like, ah, I want to roll this like this. I want to cut this like this. I want to use, I want to lathe the stainless parts for the yokes for the casters because nobody builds a caster that's quite good enough. I want to do this. This part's going to rust out. So we need to cut it like this. I don't want to do face trim. I want to do back trim because, you know, I don't want to hide a sloppy cut kind of situation. Um, and we really kind of developed some pretty awesome relationships with some, well, with two shops um, that are, just able to put out such good stuff better than we could ever pull off in Texas. Um, so that's, I don't know. It's, it's been a journey. That's for sure. Do you have to make frequent visits up to them just to QC it or you trust them implicitly? We do a uh, video QC with our shop. So we still have our shop here in Austin and we do custom stuff for restaurants or bigger cookers for friends or, or whatever, you know, I have a food festival called hot luck and we build cookers for that every year. Um, so we have that. So we have their stations set up at the two remote shops and it's got like crazy lights. It's like a stage. It looks like some, you know, like rush, like Neil Pert would have been up there, you know, playing drums. Um, crazy lights and stuff. And we do a video QC. And then I also do go up to the two shops pretty frequently, mm. uh, scope out some stuff, grab lunch, be like, ah, oh, man, these, you know, things are getting a little off. Uh, but we also filter a lot of these cookers through our shop for real life uh, quality control too. So it's a, uh, it's, it's definitely a process. When it comes to selling, there has never been a bigger time in business to try and decide which way is best? And so you have dealer network way of doing it or dealer network method, or you have DTC direct to consumer. You're currently like running both sides to a certain degree. So mm -hmm. you're, you're building a dealer network. And you also, as I say in the read, have the option if there isn't a dealer near you to go direct to franklinbbqpits.com, order one there, and then it's shipped right to your driveway. How yeah, totally. So we... You know, initially we started doing uh, direct to consumer from our shop and we were shipping those out and we still do ship those things out or you can come to the, our shop and pick them up. That's if you're in anywhere in Texas, you know, you want to come pick it up. Um, but instead of, you know, it's a pretty expensive barbecue pit, like things just cost a lot of money and it, and it really stinks how expensive things are. But we didn't want to go through a third party distributor for this stuff because they are going to take their margin. That's going to make mm -hmm. the cooker too expensive. So we kind of were thinking that it would be cooler and more way more Franklin, -y, way, definitely more me um, to go build relationships with individual mom and pop shops. Cause Franklin barbecue is a little mom and pop shop. So is pits real, 
real small little situation going on. Um, so we built our own dealer network all over the country and we've been kind of going out there and we have, you know, the accessories We're just kind of just gradually building it up. And, and if you think about it, like, you know, Ace Hardware, like locally owned grill shops and stuff like that. So we've got got quite a bit of stores now, uh, but you can still order on the website. It's the same price either way. And I will say also a cool thing about us is that our flat pricing includes shipping. So we've been able to go through different freight companies and we all manage the stuff in house. It's all super DIY stuff. Uh, there's no company like, thank you for calling time life. May I take your order? Uh, <laughs> you know, you're, you're talking to our office, you know, you're talking to, you know, Stacy, you know, or, or anybody at the office or a handful of people up there. Um, but we've been able to kind of manage all this freight stuff. So almost no matter where you live, that freight price is calculated into the price of the barbecue pit. So when you buy it at the store, it took freight to get there. When you buy it from our shop, you know, there's freight, it's all in there. So you've, there's no like hidden costs, which I think is pretty cool, which actually, I think I don't really keep up with this stuff a a heck of a lot. Um, what other people are doing, but, um, I think we are somewhere in the mid range pricing for, for the style of cooker, uh, because of the, the shipping situation. Where would you like to see dealer growth in the next couple of years? Do you have a benchmark of uh, dealers you'd like to have in the wings? No, I don't really have a benchmark. I mean, I would like to see it, really for us, it's more about the relationships and it's more about just trusting the people that are selling the stuff. And we don't want to see these pits in a weird place, like, you know, in a big box or like, what is that thing? Uh, I don't know. Like I want people to be excited about them. And I want, these cookers to be in stores that are owned by real people that are excited about barbecue are excited about cooking are going to use these cookers and actually be able to talk about them. And also, I mean, I go to dealers if I'm traveling, I'll pop into a dealer or if somebody's, I mean, this has happened a handful of times. If some, you know, like little barbecue grill shop somewhere has been on the fence about it, I'll just go up there and be like, Hey, um, is the owner here today? And I'll sit there and I'll chit chat with them and I'll, talk about the stuff. And I mean, it's just really, we, we really do go out of our way to keep it so grassroots. And so just kind of, I hate to keep saying like mom and pop, but like really just a local business, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, that's really, that's the kind of stuff I'm, I'm super into. At some point, would you convert to a total dealer network? Like once you expand across the country, will you always have the uh, online option? I think we'll always have the online option, yeah. but you never know. I mean, it's hard to say what's going to happen in the next few years. What else you got going on? What's uh, what's this, uh, <laughs> what's this uptown, uptown sports club thing you got working? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I opened up a new restaurant about six months ago. <laughs> Can you do that? Cause I don't have anything going on. Like you're on. Franklin barbecue. Uh, I, uh, to me as the outsider looking in, like you are the heart and soul of, what Texas barbecue has become, you like you wouldn't even be allowed to do anything else than maintain the barbecue shop. Well, we'll we'll see. Um, yeah, and that's why the new restaurant is just a couple blocks up the road, so I can just kind of bounce <laughs> between the two all the time. Uh, yeah, but it's called Uptown Sports Club. It's on East Sixth uh, here in Austin, Texas, and a you know kind of an all day place, stiff drinks at night, uh, espressos, coffee stuff in the morning. We've got breakfast. Uh, we've got po' boys, gumbo, raw bar, steaks, grilled fish, all the stuff. 
and uh yeah we're open we're open till late so it's it's a really fun spot it it's really meant to be um kind of just the place that you always want to hang out like anytime i go to a town it's like ah okay where do i go get oysters where do i get a steak and a negroni and that's uptown sports club your menu what's up your menu yeah 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 absolutely yeah i've been working on it for about six years Hmm. so it took us a long time to build barbecue pits but it also took me a long time to make another restaurant it's also in a building from the 1800s that we did a full like historical renovation on. Do you get enough credit for being a cook outside of barbecue? Um, I don't know. I don't, I'm not, I'm not calculating credits. I just kind of do, <laughs> do, do, <laughs> do things that make me, you know, get me excited about things. And, you know, like, uh, I love being creative. And, and the thing about Franklin Barbecue is, you know, we've been doing this for almost 15 years and we're still making it better. We're still making little tweaks, but I've got such an awesome team over there that, you know, it's really exciting for me to make barbecue pits or make a book here and there or come home and build some cabinets or sit in this room that I'm sitting in um, that I've been working on for a while with, you know, 75 year old shiplap um, that I'm still working on. Um, so I kind of like I'm I'm kind of i like projects i guess and uh, uptown was definitely has been a, a super fun project are so you, i'm not i'm not calculating credits i guess are you still I, shocked? I really don't care are you still shocked stuff. that there's a line four hours five oh hour line i've been shocked since the beginning <laughs> yeah but now it's like now it's outrageous this is a no, long time no, no. for a it's line actually right? no it's uh i mean we've had a line the whole time yeah and it's really really freaking amazing um and i just feel like we're the luckiest people in the world uh to be able to pull that off and it was kind of an accident sort of but um but it can't it can't be it can't be an accident like the food has to be that good to have people lining up for the the better part of a half a day yeah 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 i mean i think the food is absolutely that good i mean i i had some about six hours ago i was like wow yeah this stuff is so good oh my gosh how do we do it guys um but uh yeah i mean the lines are still there there it's not as long and terrible as people think it is i mean it's really like what is pretty fast give give me an idea like what am i looking at for an investment on uh let's say a wednesday or a thursday i'm not coming on a weekend i'm not an idiot let's go midweek yeah saturdays are kind of bonkers well so it it really kind of depends on when you show up i mean if you show up at six in the morning you're no. going to wait a while because we don't open till 11. Yeah. Uh, so people are like, I waited in line for five hours. Like, well, you showed up five hours before we <laughs> opened. Yeah. So I can't really help you much there. And that's really sweet because, you know, it's it's only going to get longer. Uh, but if you were to show up, say, at noon on a Wednesday, you might wait an hour. Yeah. Hour and a half. I mean, we were down... I think like per guest per order on the front counter, we're probably down to about 36 seconds a person. Mm-hmm. I time this stuff. Yeah. And like, we're like, Hey, well, you know, but also that person that's cutting, if we're out of seats, they might slow down a little bit. If we just did a turn and we've got a lot of seats, they can speed up. So we have to, that's the throttle for the whole thing uh, is that cutting board. So I, I think if you popped in at like noonish on any normal day, you, mm-hmm. you'd probably wait no more than an hour and a half, mm-hmm. but You'll meet some awesome people. You'll probably have a beer. Uh, you'll definitely get full. You'll definitely get barbecue. Yeah. And, you know, you'll get to hang out. And I, I I feel like you'd probably have a good time. 
Well, if I ever get to Austin, certainly it's uh, a place I would like to go. However, I'm putting it out there that I'm going around the back. I'm not waiting. <laughs> Number one. Number two, if you're interested in getting one of the premier offset pits that are available in the market right now, you go to franklinbbqpits.com. You either find a dealer near you. We just installed one about an hour south of me out there in the metropolis of Hartville, Ohio, called Hartville Hardware. Heck yeah. Which is worth the visit, Aaron. If you've never seen the world's largest independent hardware store, uh, I say this all the time and people don't understand what I'm actually saying. There's a house, a full-blown house inside the hardware store. That's how big we're talking here. Um, you Man can alive. find a dealer near you, or if you're interested in buying, you can see all about it on the website. You can purchase there right on the website. Aaron, uh, I've always appreciated the time you've given to the show. You've gone over and above with time explaining uh, into the weeds of this cooker, which I certainly appreciated. And that's the, the goal here uh, for this particular segment. And, uh, you know, the, the support and friendship you've given to the show uh, for, for many years now, I certainly appreciate it. And I look forward to the next time. Heck yeah, man. Great show and always good to, to talk. So yeah, give me a holler whenever you come to All Austin right. or I'll see you in Ohio. All right. Let's uh, look for that. We'll see who gets there. We'll see who gets where first. And that's Aaron Franklin from Franklin Barbecue Pits. And of course, the barbecue restaurant and the Uptown Sports Club, which is just about six months old at this point. So if you're looking for a new go-to spot which is blocks away from Franklin Barbecue, and the Uptown is the place to go. So we thank Aaron Franklin for that. All right, let's get ready to go. But before we do, the newest sponsor of the show, Aladino. A family tobacco, cigars, right? Look, I understand as a consumer, as somebody who has allowable advertising on my show that, you know, you can't just regularly go out and market tobacco products. So that's looked down on. However, Aladino has found an avenue and a friend here in the Barbecue Central show. Huge fan of their cigars, especially the Aladino brand, and then the Corojo Reserva line. It's a family-run brand, vertically, vertically, or vertically integrated manufacturer known for its authentic Corojo tobacco grown at Jerry Farms in Honduras. This, the original Cuban seed of Corojo, its flavor characteristics, unique, and it's bringing you back to the golden era of cigars from Cuba, 1947 to 1961, if you remember those cigars. Their approach in blending prioritizes flavor to give you contemporary smokers a sensational experience with a range of blends, making sure there's something for everybody to enjoy. You find a retailer near you by visiting jretobacco.com. If you're interested in trying... The Aladino Corojo Reserva in Robusto size. Uh, email me, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. I'm happy to ship a couple off to you just to try it. Corojo tobacco. Mm, Ming. Unbelievable. When people ask me, what is this Aladino really like? I said, oh, look, you ever had a real Cuban cigar? A lot of fakes out there, especially here in the States. If you've happened upon a real Cuban, I say... 
The Corojo Reserva gives you the closest Cuban experience, but you get even more flavor. If Cubans very mild. Here, you're getting what I would call a medium full to full flavor on the Corojo Reserva, but the strength isn't kicking your face off. So, in every way, better than a Cuban cigar. And from the original Cuban seed of Corojo. Come on. Again, JREtobacco.com to find a retailer near you. And if you want to try one or two, hit up your pal Greg. Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com and just put Aladino cigars in the subject line. And then don't forget to give me a shipping address and I'll send a couple. I got a box. I'm happy to share. Happy to spread the Aladino love, baby. Yeah. Follow them on social media as well. All right, we're back to wrap the show right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Let's get back to a guy who has more experience giving you his opinion than he actually has cooking. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. And we thank Aaron Franklin for joining us on the show for the last two segments. FranklinBBQPits.com, the website. The new restaurant, the Uptown Sports Club, blocks away from Franklin Barbecue, still in Austin. I, I don't know if you noticed. He laughed when I said, I'm coming around back. I'm not waiting in line. And guess what? I'm not waiting. <laughs> Kidding. Do you know who I am? <laughs> I'm not waiting in line. No, I will not do it. Maybe I would do it, but I'm definitely not showing up at six in the morning. No, sir. I will try my hand. Look, what did I tell you the last last time I was at Truth Barbecue in Houston? Showed up Wednesday at two o'clock or three o'clock. We knew right off the bat we'd probably be out of some proteins. But you're going to Texas. I want to try brisket. I want to try the turkey and some sausage. If there's no ribs or if you're out of some of the sausage, all right. But I want the mainstays. That's going to be turkey and brisket. So I'll take the risk without waiting in the line because I know the quality is definitely going to be there. So that's my secret at Truth. Although I have waited in line at Truth hour, hour and a half the first times we were there. And it was worth it. But to me, it was pushing the line of decency for me. Maybe not for you. But there's no way in hell you're finding me at 5 o'clock in the morning standing in line for four hours to then possibly stand in line after it opens. I mean, that ain't me, but if that's you, God bless you. We thank Aaron Franklin. That's what I'm saying. All right, let's go ahead and wrap it up all the way back in the first hour's Meathead talking about aging. We also talked about if griddling was really barbecue or grilling. He does not seem to recall making that statement on X, but I'll pull it down and show him. Then we had a spirited chat with Robert Moss, robertfmoss.com. And second hour, all Aaron Franklin all the time going in-depth on that new offset cooker that he's got out. Find one near you through dealer networking, franklinbbqpits.com, or buy one directly from Franklin Barbecue Pits website, franklinbbqpits.com, and it'll ship right to your driveway. 51.50 is the price there. 51.50. 
safety includes shipping. Big show planned for you next week. It's the third Tuesday. So West Wright will be around. We'll have a quarterly guest. I believe that's Jess Pryles up to bat. Number of other guests as well. And don't forget, the fourth Tuesday of this month, we're going to be voting for the 2023 Barbecue Central Show's Guest Hall of Fame. Looking forward to that. My picks are great. I'm calling it now. My picks are great. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Bye-bye. This is Dion Blumenrader with Big Hoss One Sauce, and you're listening to the best show on all things barbecue with my man, Greg Rempe.